Welcome to the Citizen Hustle Podcast, your favorite podcast for health, performance, and all things self-improvement. I'm re-recording this intro, but I interview one of my best friends, Dr. Pete Buckus, dentist in Minnesota. We talk about diet, raising a family, running a business, and all things self-improvement. You're going to love this episode. Check it out on iTunes, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you guys soon. This is my brother from another mother. Okay, so welcome to the Citizen Hustle Podcast. I have maybe my favorite guest, maybe no, my best friend. I say that every time. I'm, I, I can't remember, but you, you probably say that every time. <laughs> I do. No, absolutely. You're absolutely my not favorite. Um, Pete mm-hmm. Buckus, um, we have become the best of friends. Yep. You're a dentist. You're a father. You have twins. I think you're still married. Mm-hmm. You Thought are. Last time I checked, the bank accounts are full. It's all okay. good. Yeah. Is that an indication if you're married, like if you check your bank account? Well, if it's, it's at, at zero, zero, then you've got a problem. Yeah. You know, that, I don't and, know. She, and she's at home when you get home. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, just the fridge is open. Yeah. Luckily, I haven't dealt with that. This is all hypothetical. But yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm basically I, I see myself as like the Lithuanian version of you and you're the Italian version of myself. You're more of the improved version of me. Peace, a little smarter. A little younger are you no you're like two days older than me uh we're very close in age my birthday's in may okay yeah may 9th 87 jeez yeah may 6th 87 i so, didn't realize that yeah but you look 10 years younger than me i do look like i'm about <laughs> 14 and a half <laughs> so i don't know it so can you grow a beard so. uh you know, I, I pretty much, I never really shave clean. I just, I have a trimmer and like every two weeks I trim, but it just looks like a dirty patchy beard that a 15 year old would be quasi proud of. So no. Okay. Do yeah. patients ever ask how old you are? Yeah, all the time. Or okay. they'll say like, you know, you look like my grandson or you look like you just graduated from middle school. But <laughs> I don't, I don't care. That doesn't bother me. I mean, it's yeah. better than like, hey, you, your face is super wrinkly. Yeah. You're old. I think so. it's better to look young than to look old. Not that old yeah. people are bad. That's the goal. That's like, yeah. I mean, that's what, I don't know. It's just, that's kind of, I think I'll just look young and wrinkly and tired someday. Yeah. I get. I'm already so. looking old and tired. Not wrinkly I yet. You're but... looking fresh. And speaking of a beard, you've... Uh, You've pretty much had a beard ever since I've known you, and it's pretty, pretty good, pretty legit. I've had a beard since I've been born. I, I came out with this beard. Ooh, that's a that's a nasty sight. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why I brought Pete on, not only because he's my best friend, but I had a podcast maybe two months ago, three months ago, where I talked about I have a group of three other dentists: Pete Buckus, Kyle Pulasic, Dave Wold, and we text all the time. And I'm so interested and what makes people successful. And I would say Pete's presence in this text and my support group is one of the key ingredients why I'm quote unquote successful. So Pete, what drives you to be a part of this group with me and the other guys? There's so many reasons and it is such a pleasure and just so motivating and so fun. And um, I mean, I think as, as dentists and relatively high achievers like people don't necessarily think we have struggles or stress or things like that but you know i 
I know I can kind of speak for you in your situation because it's so similar to mine. We're in the thick of it with our families. We're practice owners. We have all this stress on our shoulders. And it's so helpful to vent to you guys and to, like we were talking about before, just both professionally, like I get super excited after I do a fun case and I, I share that with you. But then if I'm going through a hard time or, um, you know, the motivation for working out, I can just share that with you guys too. And, and it's, it's pretty reciprocal. I mean, I'm married to my wife, but I also like, if someone tells me something, I'm pretty much going to tell you Kyle and Dave too. <laughs> so. so, so Kyle and Dave are two other dentists. Um, and our group started as professional. Would you agree? Our group started for like biomimetic dentistry. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's how we met. That's how all of us met because of a similar continuing education that we took. Yeah. But it's just become so much more than that, which I don't want to oversell. It's just, we're just talking and texting. And the funny thing is, it's so funny how I'll have put my phone down at 6.30 PM and then I'll pick it up like seven minutes later and I'll have like 42 texts. That literally happens quite a bit. And it's fun. It's fun to catch up on that. So I think that's missing in men our age. Yeah. We, we evolved in tribes and groups. And dentistry, and you probably agree with this, is especially isolating. Yeah, for sure. It it totally is. And you kind of told me at some point, just the, you've listened to some podcasts or something about just how lonely um, people in our position are. Like, uh, you know, not middle age, but like mid 30s men doing relatively well in their careers i mean you especially your single doc practice uh, i've met a lot of your staff they're great but they're not your peers necessarily and you don't you employ them and so that's hard and it helps so much to be able to vent to people that are very similar um with their backgrounds but also professionally um and i won't touch on this too much but like professionally how even among dentists, like the way that we practice is a little different. And, and, and so it's kind of nice to be on the same page that way too. I totally agree. Do you feel that having partners, you feel less, because right now Pete has two partners, right? You feel less um, alone. Yeah. So I have two partners and we have five dentists total. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I think I would struggle to be a solo doc just because I always have there's pluses and minuses like I can never get anything done because our office is one huge room so you walk in the room and that's where everyone goes to get whoever they need or you walk in the room and then you BS about the weekend or something and it's so nice to have that um, but then you just can't get stuff done so yeah it is good I, I do like that part a lot yeah can you ever go to your office on like a Saturday or are people still there? You, oh, you probably sure. want to be there on a Saturday. Yeah. So I used to do it more when I, when we didn't have kids, I, I'd, you know, go do some treatment planning or something like that. Cause I'm really bad at procrastinating. So I'd, I'd do that, go in for like an hour and a half. I can't really do that now as I'm sure you can appreciate, but um, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to get things done that way. Um, we have this, this locker room at work where I just, 
I go for like two minutes in between patients or something to bang out push-ups or or just like get like a minute where I'm uninterrupted so I can think like a string of thoughts because during the day I feel like I literally can't even have a a full sentence thought in my head without being interrupted or and I'm not saying that's a bad thing I know that's just how it is but that's a little overwhelming at times I find too and we've talked about this before on our own that by like sometimes 10 30 11 a.m I feel like I've made all the decisions I can and the rest mm-hmm. of the day is like autopilot yeah I mean I feel like you hear a term decision fatigue and you just think oh that's just another silly psychological concept or something but I'm sure you can agree like that's every day it's it's I think it's human nature when the when there's someone that you can answer to to just go to them with a question thinking they'd maybe appreciate it or have um, the best of intentions but it's also easy and I do this all the time I have to stop myself from doing this in in other instances too but like you turn off your thinking a little bit easier than say if you were by yourself and if you got into a car wreck you would just deal with it but if you made a mistake at work or you you want to find a solution it's easier to ask someone else especially if that other person is is the the one in charge so sometimes i feel like maybe i haven't given them enough confidence or given them enough maybe systems in place for them to make decisions without me helping them every step of the way yeah, I agree. I think it goes, I think it has to do with leadership. And I am admittedly, that's a huge weakness of mine. Like, um, I think just empowering your team to, I want them to make mistakes. I want them to, to, to do things and take things on their own. If they make mistake, we'll just go over why it happened and kind of learn from it, keep going. But I struggle with that. I'm like a, I try to stop myself from being like, oh, I'll just do it. I'll just do it. You know what I mean? Why do you feel like your leadership is poor? And I feel the same way, by the way. Because I went to dental school. I always wanted to be a dentist. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I never, yeah. I did always want to be a practice owner, but you don't think about that in dental school as much. At least I didn't. I probably should have. I didn't have a business background and I still am navigating that world, but uh, you don't learn anything. I, I don't even know if they used the term leadership in my four years of dental school. You don't talk about that stuff or team dynamics and stuff like that. We're nerds. We like to talk about bonding and stuff. Yeah. So I so. think maybe you agree that leadership is like a soft science, although it's important. Yeah. And dental schools, at least mine, pride themselves so hard on being a hard science that that mm-hmm. seems almost like a waste of their time. But contrary to that is the soft skills will take you farther in leading a group of people than these hard. No one gives a shit about bonding. Your, your team doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you cut out there a little bit, but um, I think you're right. It oh, is. We are. Can, can you hear me here? Dennis, we're like professionals. Yeah. Yep. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Yeah, I I think I agree. I mean, we're we're such nerds and we like the science and even though I was a psych major, I probably didn't take it as seriously as I should have. I, I just kind of used it as a vehicle to get good grades to get into dental school, but 
the longer I'm practicing dealing with patient personalities and since I've become an owner dealing with staff and their personalities and managing them, there's so much psychology in what we do. I mean, so much. Well, we're seeing, we're using the same consultant and Mm -hmm. all they talk about is if you're going to get to the next level, you have to master the psychology of your staff and your patients. You'll never get there. Yeah. And that fascinates me. I mean, just the whole marketing, they're, they're marketing wizards. Uh, like every time you and I go to one of these things, it's like, holy crap, I just spent 20 grand on some more consulting. They just sold me. I, I paid to come to this workshop, not to come to a sales event, but they sold me on another event. Like, yeah, the I think some of the most successful practices, there's such a weird dichotomy. So there's great dentistry and then there's running a great business and they can be both, but dentists are largely just concerned with the dentistry at the expense of the business. I know I'm super guilty of that, but that's tough. There's a struggle between, because you'll see some terrible clinical dentists and they're making more money than you. That is hard. I mean, that's one thing that like my, my wife's family, they have a pretty quite successful um, family business and they in in talking with my father-in-law um, it's kind of fun to just hear about some of the inner workings of the business and um, and he'll share some of his thoughts with with my practice and he just you can tell as a as a non-healthcare provider a lay person he doesn't quite get that you know and it's kind of delicate how to say it, but I'm not you can't just like bang out a procedure in 30 minutes and always expect it to go well in 30 minutes you know someone might not get numb right or you might have an adverse outcome or something like that it's not just a commodity it's dealing where people working on people and it's there's such a that it's such a weird level of complexity in healthcare and business i think i think the struggle there is that it's not a commodity but sometimes patients view it as a commodity and then you have to somehow explain to patients, like, this is also healthcare. It's not just, here's a crown, take it home and install it yourself. It's not a commodity, but it can be. I mean, like, say you believe in a certain, I don't want to get too nerdy, but like a certain type of toothpaste or mouth rinse, and you want to sell it at your clinic for the benefit of the patients, and maybe you sell it for the same thing Amazon sells it for, but you get it wholesale, so you make money off it. You also don't want to come across as like, hey buy this if you you know what I mean like you might truly believe in something and use it use it yourself but then there's this like dirty feeling as a healthcare provider like oh he's coming across salesy you know I never know the line I never know like am I coming off as a professional doctor or am I coming off as a businessman and like because you have to make a profit but it kind of like turns patients off you're making a profit off them but it takes money to run your business yeah I struggle with that all of the time. Yeah. I even, one thing I should be better at and I'm trying to work on is asking for reviews because anything that feels salesy to me is, I do struggle with it because just like you said, you don't want to be profitable or, um, you know, at the expense of looking like a professional, a healthcare professional. So, yeah, I, I, 
I always feel bad asking for referrals because I'm almost like, oh my God, this guy is so desperate. He's begging me to bring more patients in. But it's an art and some people are so good at it. Yeah. Not me, but some people are very good at it. And uh, that's what's that's that's what's so interesting about the psychology of that stuff. It's 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 interesting. So Well, the way the consultant explained it to me was you're asking for referrals, not because you're desperate, but you're so good at your job, people aren't getting the care they need unless they're with you. Which is kinda cocky, but like we are good at what we do. At least you're good at what you do. See, I would never think <laughs> I would never think of the wording like that. Like even, even that makes me want to give you a referral right now. Just yeah. Cause you yeah. said that, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I don't have is that, that marketing mind. Yeah. Would you say, cause I think we're very similar. I don't have the kind of external confidence that maybe our friend Kyle has to reel in those reviews and those referrals. I feel terrible bragging about myself. Yeah. I know. I, I, I think we're very similar in that way. Like, I think we're both, correct me if I'm wrong, but both pretty inter- introverted. Like we do well in social situations, but it's work for yeah. us and like patient inter- interactions are work for us. And yeah, Kyle is, I've, I've picked his brain about his leadership style. He's, I've been pretty impressed with some of the things he says and how he runs his team and, and yeah, he can ask for a referral, no problem. And, um, but again, I think it, that kind of goes back to how great our text chain is. We can talk about all that. We can go from just the silliest topic or talking about something serious like our family and then leadership. And it's just such a huge positive thing. On a oh, yeah. Basis. I got to bring this up. I asked Pete for his permission to bring it up. And he said that he would let me once a week. And I've uh-huh. not, we all send a shirtless photo to each other and called a primal check-in to keep us all accountable for being in shape. And it's one of the best fitness things I've done to keep my weight off. See, the only thing I wasn't aware of was that it was only supposed to be once a week because I'll do it (laughs) sometimes. I pretty much just do it after a workout because you're pumped up and you're like, yeah. Yeah. And I, I know you had the same kind of reservation that I did. And Kyle started doing it and we were all like, what is, he's just shame, shameless and, and fearless. And, and I mean that in the best possible way. I admire that. But we were like, what's going on? And then here we're all doing it. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not hiding it from my wife. I don't know if she knows that I do that. She wouldn't be surprised though. Cause she knows all the weird stuff that we text, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I do. The one thing I have to do that I don't think is sneaky, but I have to do it. I always make sure I delete the photo off my phone because I don't want someone accidentally like, hey, I want to show you this photo of something and then like page through like three photos of myself. Like, just disregard that, you know. Well, there's so many times patients want to show me a picture and they go through their photos and there's like skin in there. And I'm like, I don't I don't need to see any of that. And when it's but if it's if you're showing a photo and it's your skin, it's like this guy's not only vain, he's weird. (laughs) Yeah, if your dentist is showing you a photo of himself with his shirt off, find a new dentist. I don't care if he's out of network. Go find a new dentist. <laughs> but I it wouldn't works. blame Would anyone you... for having that thought process. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I mean, I I don't beat myself up too bad. Like if I, full disclosure, my wife asked me if I wanted if she wanted 
if I wanted her to buy gummy worms, because I have a weakness for gummy worms. And I've been working hard on, on some things lately. And I said, yeah, why don't you? So if I, like, like we were talking about, I'm not, I don't have like a six pack or anything. I'm in pretty good shape relative to myself, but I don't beat myself up too bad. But yeah, if I've really been slacking and it starts to show, then I'm not going to want to do that and offer that picture up as much. So I agree. It, I mean, it blows. I was so resistant to doing that. Cause I like, why would I, do I know it? you were, you just started yeah. like, like a month ago. Cause I'm like, I'm in my mid thirties. I'm almost 40. Why am I sending shirtless photos to my friends? And it's not to like brag about it, but like if you're a man and you have a group of friends start doing this, cause I promise by some magic, it gets you in better shape. I also think that that goes to the respect that we have for each other. Cause I don't think any of us once was like, Vince, you're a pussy. You should, you should, show us your you know your your picture like the 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 reason we all like it is you are accountable to yourself and we'll cheer you on but if if you're falling short a no one notices like your own self and b we're not gonna like give you a hard time like hmm, vince looks like you could be doing a little more crunches you know what <laughs> yeah, I, mean? I know <laughs> yeah i totally agree with that i would avoid yeah. sending it to the opposite sex um yeah. don't turn it into a sex thing <laughs> Yeah, or even, like, I don't know. Does your wife know that you do that? Uh, you know what? She will after she listens to this podcast. Yeah, again, we're not hiding it, ladies, but there's no reason to tell you. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not a bunch of, like, Kyle always jokes, like, if my wife looked through my phone, it's a bunch of, like, men in their mid-30s with their shirt. Not a bunch of men. The same three men over and over with their shirts off. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, it's definitely not something that you would even text your wife because they'd be like, you're a weirdo. Yeah, she's like, you're not 17. (laughs) Stop sending me photos. Yeah. So what does your workout schedule look like? I've actually been hitting it hard this week. So for because you and I have been on kind of the same diet for at least I mean, I've been doing it for I started all of 2022 for the most part. And then this year. So, um, and maybe it sounds like you've been doing it a little longer. What diet is that that you're on? I mean, I know, but like tell everyone right, what diet. The carnivore diet. Yep. Okay. I'm sorry. Just for me, it's just straight up meat, cheese, eggs, all the things that I loved about paleo that I would try. But then with paleo, you're supposed to eat vegetables and I'm, I'm like a child. I don't like vegetables. So it's, yeah, so it's you're a not- conveniently easy diet for me. You're not dead after all that meat and no vegetables? You don't have, like, heart disease? Uh-uh. Not I know. Yet. You've gotten your blood tested. I mean, my wife, we were talking about the pushback that, that like, I've gotten, especially initially, my wife didn't understand it. She thought it was weird. And, of course, she was concerned about cholesterol and stuff like that. So I've, I've gotten a couple blood tests at certain increments, um, and my cholesterol is just fine. All my numbers are pretty darn good. In fact, I would argue and I wasn't testing myself before this diet, but probably better than they have ever been because I minimize the carbs that I eat, very few carbs, and um, now I'm working out. I guess I kind of got off on a tangent, but for like the first nine months of doing carnivore, I just didn't work out. I didn't make it a priority. And then for the last like six, seven, eight months, I've been working with a trainer two days a week, which has been awesome. And then this week, 
I took a page out of your playbook, Vince, because you wake up every morning at five. Saturday and Sunday. Yep. Yeah. And I struggle with that. That's a goal of mine to wake up every day at five. And it's super easy for me to press snooze. Um, but this week I've made myself get up and I'm going to try to go to the gym on Tuesdays addition to in addition to working with a trainer, Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, get up at like 4.30 and go to the gym at 5. And it feels awesome. So if you're getting up at 4.30, what time are you going to bed? Uh, definitely not that late. Not, I'm all over the place. Anywhere from like 8.15 to 10.30. Okay. I should get my sleep. I need to make that a priority. Are you How about eight? you? So I go to bed at 9.30. My wife hates me for it because I force her to go to bed at 9.30 too. Because I, I yeah. can't go to bed if my wife is up like fucking around. Really? Yeah. Huh. Because not that I don't want her to like being downstairs, but like if she comes back in the room, she'll wake uh, me up. See, I'm I'm like dead to the world. Once I'm asleep, it's over. jump on the bed for an hour and I wouldn't really notice. Or I wouldn't care. I'd just sleep through it. So, so some, you're getting good sleep then because some people brag they wake up at 4.30 but they're going to bed at like 11 and then that's terrible for your health yeah and so i need to prioritize sleep because you know if i go to sleep at 10 30 and wake up at 4 30 that's not ideal i don't usually go to bed that late i would say i probably average 9 30 but sometimes i just kind of dink around on my phone like i i know better but like anyone these days i'm just like checking instagram or um watching a video or something like that when you can kill an hour and a half so fast and it's just like that was a waste of time got nothing done i'm gonna be in a sleep debt but so that's and i'm sure we haven't talked about sleep and phones as much but you know i know you guys if i asked all of the three of you guys i, I know you guys all have strategies you've even shared that you sometimes wear the um orange glasses Every night when I watch TV. You do? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Do you feel like that helps? If placebo or not, it helps me fall asleep faster. I have a history of having trouble falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like I eat too late or too much TV. But if I eat within like before three hours before going to bed and wear those glasses, I can fall asleep much better. I just have to say, I just did a, a kind of a, a mutual friend of Vince and I's. I know... I don't know. I don't think you've met Matt Pens, just a, a dentist buddy of ours. He he practices with one of the guys in our group, our text group. I just went on a continuing education trip with him and he falls asleep like that. Like every night we'd stop talking. And honest to God, it was like within a minute, I could just hear his breathing change. And I was so impressed by it. It was the funniest thing in the world. Is I wish really I was like fit- that. Is he really into fitness? I, yeah, I think he, he lifts weights and he was, um, I think a quarterback at St. Olaf. Okay. So, I mean, I wouldn't mess with him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but I, I'm like, I also don't think I could mess with anyone and, and come out unscathed. I think if you're 35 and you're like, you're messing with people, you're fighting people, like you, you pick the wrong path. Yeah. That, well then it's called the clinical term is your douchebag. <laughs> 35 and you're messing with people. Yeah, I feel like going to the bar at 35 and punching people, like you got to reevaluate what you're doing. Yep. Those people, those 35-year-olds that do that have like a tanning bed in their basement. Wait, are they Italian? Can I say that to you? you I'm going to edit this part out of the podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think I was just reading something about like Mike the situation. So like, I'm yes, I'm thinking about that. I think he's a, re- 
Is he recovering or recovered alcoholic? I think he was into opioids and maybe alcohol, but I think his main thing was the pills. How did Italians go from like Michelangelo to Mike the Situation? You know, I'm I'm kind of all over the place, but that reminds me. I'm reading um, reading. I, I'm a, I'm like a child. I'm auto listening to Audible. Like every time I go in the car, I, I turn it on and in the sauna and stuff. I'm listening to um, Andrew Carnegie's autobiography, and he's Scottish. And when I think of Scottish people as a stereotype, I think of like the Simpsons, like the janitor from the Simpsons. Isn't he a janitor? Yep, the he's orange just hair. Like this mean what? Yeah, the orange he's beard. Like, yeah, yeah. He's like mean, always drunk, this and that. But Andrew Carnegie, I don't. He doesn't really talk about it, but I get the. I mean, he's like. He wouldn't describe himself as a Calvinist, but very strict morals. Like it's a little bit tough to listen to because it's almost philosophical the way he talks. And I guess what I'm getting at is it makes me kind of made me realize like there might be stereotypes, but then there's maybe a whole other side of the coin where certain people from that type of place just are totally different. Um, Cause he sounds like part of his success was just his clean living and always having a level head and this and that. And then, then I watched the Simpsons and that's like my only stereo. That's how I know a stereotype of Scottish people is from the Simpsons. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't even have that stereotype, but. So what are the main books you normally listen to? Is it autobiographies of successful people? No. You know, what's funny is um, the consultant that we work with kind of recommended this book. So I just started listening to it. Um, Yeah. I I mean, I know you know this, like we don't really have a book club. We've talked about it, but we kind of do. I mean, we all, I feel like it's almost a cliche, like men in their thirties listening to David Goggins, but we do. And oh, it's him. super motivating. David Goggins, Cameron Haynes is another guy who's very similar in terms of his hustle and stuff like that. Um, and I never used to, I wouldn't have necessarily, I've tried so many things since starting this. I didn't start it, but since we started this text group that I wouldn't normally have even sought out or found interesting enough to even learn about, but like that sort of self-help, motivational stuff that's kind of what i'm into right now and i'm reading carnegie's book just because i'm fascinated by the time period and he's one of the wealthiest people in history and i hate to say it but that's awesome that's appealing to me yeah well you know why do you hate to say that i don't know i think it goes back to that like that healthcare provider versus business it's so ingrained um yeah, it is. It's almost it almost feels dirty to be like, yeah, I want to be successful and wealthy. Well, it's not bad to say successful, but wealthy like, oh, but that's, I mean, I that's, struggle with the same thing. But yeah. why? So we live in a capitalist society. And if so you pe- think it would be encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. If people can get rich off selling TVs, get rich off selling Ferraris, why can't you get rich off improving someone's health? You're not mm-hmm. scamming them. But there's so many people who have muddied the waters who have. And so they've ruined it for the rest of us. So it's almost yeah. like the really successful people, there's a batch of them that are scamming and it makes the other honest, successful people look bad. Mm-hmm. So to be punished, you have to be like really good and not successful. 
I think so. Yeah. And I think it's more forgivable if you scam somebody, but it's just for like you scam them and you sold them a lemon of a used car. Yeah. That's like acceptable. But if you scam them and you sold them a crappy filling for some reason, and I'm not endorsing this by any means, but for some reason that's like a whole different deal and that's less forgivable. Yeah. And I would agree with you. There was this guy in my area maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, he was selling chemotherapy to people, false cancer diagnosis and giving chemotherapy to get rich. What was he? An oncologist. Oh. At a hospital huh. down the road. He, I mean, him and his wife are in prison now. Well, you're right. So he was making however many million dollars a year and killing people. Well, that reminds me of Dr. Death. Have you ever heard of him? The neurologist or the neurosurgeon? Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Fascinating. There's like a, I think it's, I don't know what platform it's on, but I was on a flight once and I watched the whole like four episodes he wasn't necessarily selling anything because he was in the medical system, but he was doing these crazy surgeries that who knows how much insurance would pay for them. Just probably one surgery, $150,000 or something living lavishly in super crazy debt. And he was brilliant, but he couldn't, his hands just couldn't do what his, what his mind was telling him to do. And he would just, and his morals were awful. He knew he was bad and he just kept doing it. Oh yeah. Well, there's that one part where the lady went in with a slip disc and she died during surgery. Yeah, it's, of course, what I watched was like the guy, the actor from Dawson's Creek. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But man, they really painted an ugly picture. And he's in, he, I think it was like one of the first cases of its kind where the doctor was charged for criminal, with criminal charges or something like that. Like so they, groundbreaking. Did you listen to a podcast or you listen, you watched it? Like no, I want to say it's on Paramount Plus or something. I don't have, it was on, I was just on a flight and I was browsing okay. and. Delta had pulled Mad Men, and so that's kind of my go-to for a flight, so I had to find something yeah. else. Yeah, I think oh. he was the first doctor to not only lose his license, but to be charged criminally, and I'm not a lawyer, so I'm yep. saying this wrong, for, like, he was, like, as murder for these people. Yeah, and I was blown away, because I had never heard of it, and I thought, as a healthcare provider, I would have heard of it, but for some reason, it just, I must not have been paying attention or watching the news for a period of time because I'd never heard of it and it was pretty fascinating to me. Well, the, like, go ahead. No, go ahead. I see. The crazy part is because he made so much money for the hospitals. This gets back to the money in the healthcare part that they were so resistant to fully investigate this guy. Yeah, the whole politics of, you know, can we report him? What does that do to us? It was, it was. Yeah, super interesting and really unfortunate for so many patients. It's very so. scary because just because somebody has an MD or PhD or DDS, like you still got to like do your research and interview the people they work on. Well, that's the sort of thing I think that makes it so hard for us because you, myself, Dave, Kyle, the guys in our text group, we do truly try so hard for our families but in business and especially dentistry and it's people like that that have made the public skeptical and it's so hard for us to prove and show our worth and our value and why patients in your clinic should pay fee for service why they should pay that premium and not have of dental insurance and yeah so i'm trying to think are there other professions that have escaped 
Because there's bad actors in every profession. <laughs> I don't know. As a Catholic, I mean, I, I'll tell I you like that. Catholic really priest. <laughs> yeah. Don't have the well, best uh, reputations. Yeah. No, they definitely don't. I feel like it'd be really hard to be a chiropractor. You could maybe have the best intentions, be the be the best chiropractor in your opinion, and that's an industry people are so skeptical of. Um, you know what I mean? And the more salesy I, they come across, the more it's like, mm, I don't need that multivitamin. Yeah. What are you talking about? But almost as if chiropractors have like two segments. Half the population thinks they're quacks. The other half, half thinks they're more reliable than MDs. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. It's really, it's fascinating. It's, it's, it is really polarizing. No one's like, meh, the chiropractor, I'll give him a try. You, yeah, you either feel strongly one way or the other, I feel like. I reached out to, I have other friends I text, not just you. So I reached out to other friends I know terrible. And I asked them for primary care doctors in the area that are more like holistic and understanding of the carnivore diet. And one of the guys sent me his chiropractor. And said, this is my primary care doctor. Doesn't even see an uh, MD. I mean, I guess you can call it that conversationally, but not really. That doesn't make... Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, they can... It's crazy. You can... I was at a... Like a... A, a type of weekend thing. It was. It was actually with we keep talking about the consultant. It was the, the consultant. They, they threw like a, don't say their name. They don't deserve advertising. Yeah. <laughs> and he, as part of like taking care of, it was about, you know, taking care of yourself financially more personally. So my wife was there, but they also had a segment where a chiropractor came and spoke. And I mean, he was talking about how he orders blood tests for, to test all these different things that maybe insurance doesn't typically cover and things I don't disagree with, but you can order blood tests now. I mean, anyone can do that stuff. Yeah. We do. We've I, I just got my blood drawn yesterday mm-hmm. to make sure the yep. carnivore diet's not killing me. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see the results. I got to do it soon. I worry like my estrogen's through the roof and I have like zero testosterone. <laughs> You're just eating plastic. Of just, course it is. Well, that's all I'm eating is, yeah, it's plastic. <laughs> yeah. Are you, so let's, let's talk, should we talk about like, uh, I mean, there's some things that I never would have tried. Like, I just got a vitamin D lamp. And to be honest, I'm peeling right now from <laughs> getting a little bit too close. You have one, don't you? Didn't you order one? Or it, did you not? No, I did not order a vitamin D lamp. Okay. So let me ask My you wife, this about the vitamin yeah. D lamp. Do you think you have like, a lower mood in the wintertime? That's why you got it? What was your motivation? 100%. Okay. I, I feel like I just get irritable and... I don't want to say like I have depression, but I'm more prone to that. I feel like, um, and certainly in the wintertime, like if, if I go out, I'm in a room without windows right now. If I go outside and the sky is blue, I'm in immediately better mood than if it's gray. And in the wintertime here, just like I'm sure it is in Michigan, it's gray all the time. We've had like record snowfall this year. That just wears on me so much. And the word I think is it makes me like nihilistic, like just irritable, of course, I don't believe nothing matters, but it like it just makes me feel like, Ugh, what am I doing this for? Why am I working hard? Why am I waking up early? Why am I, I feel like, you know, it, it does 100% affect my mood. I haven't, um, 
I'm still honestly reeling from the, I got it a week ago from my sunburn and I've used it sparingly. So it's way too early to tell, but I mean, I'm hungry just to get rid of that feeling. So, so some people in the winter time, <laughs> they're almost at baseline. And it sounds like you're below that. You're like negative in the winter time. Probably. I mean, I, I got a blood test in the fall, I think. And according to that service that I got it through, it said I was in the lower range of normal. Um, of vitamin D? Yeah. Okay. And that was when it was nice-ish out. But even in the summertime, as a dentist, I'm working long days. Like, I'll go to work at 7 a.m., start clinically 7 a.m., and I won't get home till 6.15 a lot of nights. And by then, you know, we've got to take care of the kids. And so I don't get outside that much. And um, so, and the fact that it's winter, I'm sure it's dipped way further. So I'm going to give it like two months and then take another blood test, mainly for that reason. I want to Do see you take any vitamin D supplements or just the lamp? No, just, just the lamp. And one of our buddies recommended a certain lamp and I looked at how much it was. It was like 500 bucks. I wasn't going to buy it, but I had credit card miles that I can convert on Amazon. So I just thought, screw it. I, I, if this helps me even get half rid of this feeling, then it's worth it to me. So have you always felt this way about the winter time? Cause you're not from Minnesota. You're from Nebraska. Yeah. And the winters weren't as harsh, but still like the overcast. Yeah. It, it, um, I definitely have, I think I'm just, that's just my genetic wiring. I think I'm like, uh, I'm a pretty introverted, somewhat sensitive person. And I, I'm definitely sensitive to that. I mean, I, I hate to, you overuse the term seasonal affect disorder, but I, I, for me, that, that description makes a lot of sense. I mean, I have some patients that have SAD and they're like, they have to be in the sun or like go to Florida cause they get super depressed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's not like I can't keep going or anything, but I just get irritable and stuff like that. I'm probably, if my wife watches this, she'll be like, yeah, he does. You know, <laughs> I'm having know. your wife on next actually at two o'clock. <laughs> oh, sweet. Awesome. A lot of podcasts today. A lot yeah. of podcasts. <gasps> That's what she's doing. That's why I have to be home at two 30. Yeah. She's, we're doing it in person. <laughs> she's coming here. I love it. <laughs> so your wife yeah. is a physical therapist. She is. Yeah. But she stays home full time. Yeah. She has a harder job than I do right now. She's taking care of the three kids and, uh, it's so crazy. And I, I, I say that and then I immediately feel bad saying that to you because it's even crazier at your house. But uh, I always yeah, tell she people, stays I, home right now. But Any more than one kid is nuts. Even if you have one kid, it's nuts. And having twins, a set of twins, it's just, it's not two children. It's like two and a half. Both me it's, and Pete have twins. Your twins are a yeah. year and a half now? They're almost two, yeah. Almost and two, yours are okay. what, two and a half? They're almost three. Yeah, so they're about a year apart. Oh, yeah. We're potty training yeah. our twins right now. Oh. And they're just shitting yeah, all over the place. Oh, I bet. That's tough. You know, for me, what was hard was we got rid of the gates with our older daughter. And then like six months later, the gates came back up. And it's just, I, I love walking through a doorway that has no gate. It's so refreshing. It doesn't oh happen often at my house. We have a gate at the bottom. Go ahead. What? I said, we have a well, gate right. at the bottom of our stairs 
that like yeah. in the dark, I'm afraid I'm gonna like trip over it and like die. Yeah. Yeah, it's it I, I kind of forgot about the potty training, so I guess that's next. And with the boys, <laughs> who knows? I've heard they can just like grab it and throw it. So that's what yeah. I we have to look forward to. <laughs> your your wife, she works almost more at, at night, right? We kind of like you, you described to me how I mean, I don't know how you do it sometimes. You work a full day, you're solely running your clinic, and then you come home and she has to to do her work. And so then you're on. You literally have a, a second job that just doesn't pay at all. In fact, yeah, it just, just pays in. Uh, we call it smoochy kisses. Do you ever watch Bluey? Oh, yeah. Okay, I love yeah. Bluey. They're talking about kids watching it, I'm just like singing it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, just like you, I get up at five. And my day kind of ends at like 9 p.m. We watch 30 minutes of TV and I go right to bed. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 definitely I it's the busiest time I've ever had in my life. Like I remember in high school, um, I wasn't a jock. I didn't really have a whole lot going on. And I'd have, I'd be like sitting at home on a Friday night having nothing to do and thinking just it's just in hindsight, it was crazy how much free time I had. Like that's the one I don't really, I don't necessarily, I, I enjoy waking up and the feeling you get when you get something done, the accomplishment. But if I didn't have to wake up early and I had the whole day, I don't know that I necessarily would have to be completely honest, but that's like the only time of day that I can get anything done, which I'm sure you can appreciate too. Oh, yeah. And do you find the busier you are in life, actually, the more you get done than if you have like less to do? I wish I could say yes, uh, probably because I'm forced to. But uh, I also kind of put things off a lot, too. Yeah, and I've, I've kind of struggled with that. But uh, yeah, I'm forced. Yeah, I'm forced to. I got to get more done because then the next thing is coming and the next thing is coming. Yeah. But we um we have a fishing trip every year that that Vince is going to go to next year. Next right? year. Yeah. Next okay. year. Now it's recorded. So I have to go. <laughs> okay. And, uh, there's this one guy. So it's, it's in Northern Wisconsin and my wife's family, all the guys go, it's a very sexist thing, but it's, 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 it's great. It's fun. Uh, it's just tradition and you know, everyone goes, they fish and just whatever, grill meat and everything you'd expect with a guy's trip. And one of the guys brings their grandfather and he just tells stories, talks and limericks and stuff, which are like rhymey things. And no one listens to him and he gets frustrated. And on my busiest day, I think about him and I think at least in my teeny niche of the world, I'm relevant. Like my wife loves me, needs me. My kids need me. Yeah, they love you. They love <laughs> me. <laughs> and I'm I'm needed to the point of psychological exhaustion at work, but I'm relevant. And someday that might be me at the cabin, just being frustrated because no one wants to listen to me. That's like, dude, that's like hit nail on the head. Um, how many people it, in their thirties are like kind so of heard to me when I saw him get frustrated? I thought, shit, why am I complaining about being stressed out? Well, in his thought, how old is this guy? Probably eighty. 90 yeah closer to 90 yeah and he has so much wisdom and why are these young people not listening to what he's learned like i i'm not great at listening to him but i listen to him more than his grandsons do and it's like 
his he grew up right around where my practice is, so it's pretty interesting for me to hear you know how that the neighborhoods changed and sometimes I do get tired of the the limericks and stuff but I mean I get it he's born 100 years ago there's a different yeah. pace of life now than it was yeah he'll be on the podcast next actually he's after your wife good luck <laughs> logging him on yeah. yeah so we're actually coming up on the hour mark okay. um and I always ask a question at the end what is one takeaway you'd want the listeners to have from this podcast? You know, at first I thought that's going to be a tough question, but it's kind of what we weave back and forth talking about. It's, it's how important it is to have a support group of friends that you can totally trust in and share your successes and your failures and your like, your shortcomings with and how important that that and how uplifting that is in life and it's easier said than done to say go find it i feel super fortunate that i found that in you and and dave and kyle um and now i've found lifelong friends in you guys so i would say just finding people like that that you can confide in and just totally be very serious with and then make can I say dick joke? A dick joke about. <laughs> I'm taking that. I'm taking that out of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, just be goofy and yeah. like say something that maybe isn't that you couldn't say in a lot of circles, but just be yourself and just you know be a goofball. I could not agree more. I have a lifelong friend in Pete. Um, if you read anything about people who live a long time, it's diet, it's sleep, it's exercise, it's also social connection which men our age, probably women too, lack. So Pete said it's easier said than done. What I would say is do it. Just start mm-hmm. texting. Like this is not the first text group I tried to start. This is like the one that like stuck and just worked out perfect. I'm a and better- Ben started it. I, to your full credit, you started it with, I think we texted a little bit because of our mutual class that we took. And then, then you were probably texting Kyle and then you brought, us three together and then Dave joined too. Yeah. So, and it, I'm, I'm a better man for knowing Pete. Um, I had Kyle Pulasic on my podcast a year ago. I'm a better man for knowing him. Dave Wald, I'm going to ask him to come on next. Um, but mm-hmm. find a text group cause you'll live longer and you'll be happier. hundred percent. All right, man. Um, would you be okay if my two listeners reached out to you? Do you have like a, do you have an Instagram oh, yeah. or do you have yeah, a, I mean, I don't know if there's any, yeah, if you want some, some uh, wisdom that's not worth very much. Yeah, I have an Instagram. <laughs> um, it's the the one I use mainly is just my dental one, but you're more than welcome to send me a message. It's dr buttcusp, which sounds silly, but it's a play on my name. So D-R-B-U-T-K-U-S-P at in, in whatever, at Dr. Buttcusp with no period or my email is my name pete butkus b-u-t-k-u-s at gmail.com so. but go if you're a dent even if you're not a dentist go to pete's instagram and i'm i'm not going to let you rebuttal me when i say this pete is such a talented dentist it like blows my mind go look at his work and see how real dentistry should be done that's just the goofiest thing i've shut up all day. I'm right, really man. tired, so I think I'm just hallucinating right sure. now. Sure. So. All right. Well, 
Pete, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds All right. good. Thanks for coming on. Yep. See ya.